Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a brand new edition for the 5th of February, 2024 of Flyers Daily, which is presented by Ticketmaster, Make More Memories Live. Flyers will return from the All-Star break coming up tomorrow night uh, when they take on the Florida Panthers down in Florida, then return home for Winnipeg, Seattle, and Arizona. Crucial stretch of schedule. We'll discuss that and more with our Monday guest. You hear him every Monday. It's Mondays with Meltzer from NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer. Have you enjoyed the break, Bill? Uh, I have. You know, um, every once in a while, it's nice to have a, a few days away. I, I did catch the last couple of Phantoms games and some some all-star stuff, too. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I think the break came in an important time, you know, for the team. Uh, able to get some players back healthy. It, it sounds like Owen Tippett should be ready to go for Tuesday. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and then guys get banged up. And then, you know, in, in February... If you look at the schedule, difficulty-wise, it's a tough schedule. But in terms of number of games, it's a it's a pretty you know, it's a pretty moderate, even a light schedule uh, in terms of number of games. There's uh, there's days off. There's only one back to back. So uh, at least you you should have most of your personnel available uh, as you go in. And you know, I mean, the the Flyers, uh, I don't say a cushion, but they they build up a, a little bit of leeway for themselves. And unfortunately. You know, you lose five in a row. You lose, you, you lose whatever leeway you had. So the, the, this is an important stretch of games coming up. Whether you know whether the team is looking to maybe sell some pieces or whatever as you get to the trade deadline. You know, as John Terrell said, they're they're still looking to win, win hockey games. And these are some important games that they're going to still continue to play meaningful games as you get into the stretch drive. Yeah, and you got to put a halt to this five-game skid immediately, yeah. if not sooner, uh, if possible. I mean, we are what what thirty-two days away from the NHL trade deadline, yeah. and and Bill, that may be the biggest storyline of this unofficial second half of the season is what happens between now and the deadline coming up in March. Oh, 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 for sure, for sure. You know, I I think that they're. You know, at a certain point in the standings, you you weigh against what assets come back versus trying to trying to hold on to the pieces, keep keep the chemistry in the room together, and and try to take that push at a playoff spot versus you know uh, just as an example, a sealer. Uh, you know what would be coming back as opposed to the you know, you're not even, you're not even thinking so much in terms of, of being like. Well, is that worth a third round pick, for example? Right? Then you know, if you're if you're out of the playoff run, you get whatever assets you can. Yeah. But but at a certain point, if you're trying to still continue to build a, you know, build the standard identity, whatever you want to call, it, take those next steps as a team, then you weigh that against that, and maybe maybe you hang on to the guy, even if you were to lose him as a free agent after the season. Walker being another example. Yeah, I think, you know, with a guy like Sealer, like you got to look at it and you go, okay, you know, when I get into the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, you know, those round picks, yeah. it's, you know, a lot of times it is a lottery ticket. Yeah. And you, your chances of hitting aren't very high. Um, so you, you have to have that, you know, that, that equation that you, you know, put into your head and go, is it worth it for two and a half, three more months of having this guy around to push for this playoff spot? Because, I, I, you and I are in agreement. I, I know not everybody's in agreement with you and I on this, but um, even making the playoffs in a rebuild, uh, you know, having su- a successful season in does not 
or unsuccessful season does not constitute rebuild. The moves and, you know, strategic, you know, direction of the team is what determines rebuild ultimately. Oh, for sure. And, and you know, I mean, the Flyers have two first-round picks this year, as an example. Yep. And, and I mean, obviously, you could pick up uh, yet another first-round pick that gives you all kinds of flexibility. But you're, you know, but it, it's not like the Flyers are lacking assets either. The Flyers actually have some good assets and, you know, can, can continue to build from there. And in some cases, too, where you have some, you know, you want another way to bring assets in, too, um, especially with the cap going up, but teams wanting to stock up for a playoff run. Sometimes you can take on a salary that, that uh, you know, another team doesn't want and maybe live with it one more year, whatever the case might be. So so it's not always selling off pieces. as a You have different ways of bringing assets in, too. So, you know, the, I think the Flyers will explore every possible way of doing that without necessarily just going into fire sale mode. Yeah, it's one of the uh... – kind of overused saying in sports, but I'm going to use it, the weaponization of cap space. Yeah. yeah. In a league where the cap is beginning to rise again, but you can still use it as a weapon because we're under the flat cap essentially yeah. still this year for the most part. Uh, Bill, in yesterday's episode, I kind of went through um, the knowns that I have with this team. Again, known with relative certainty based on what we've seen recently and, you know, other, you know, key pieces of data and I went through the unknowns. The list of knowns was longer than the unknowns, but the unknowns are of uh, pretty pretty big importance on whether this team yeah. through the next 32 games is going to be punching a ticket to the NHL postseason. You know, I mentioned in that episode too, you know, the first round of the playoffs, when you're not in it, you, you watch it and you're just like, oh my God, this is insane. It's so crazy. The games are crazy. The The speed, the tenacity, the everything about the playoffs looks so different than the regular season that it makes you go, I cannot wait to get back there. Uh, but for this team to do that, they've got to overcome some, some pretty big unknowns. Yeah. Uh, that's goaltending, whether that's what happens at the trade deadline, whether that's Noah Cates, who's got five points in what 28 games this season, there's some really big unknowns that are going to need to be answered in the positive side for them to be able to secure this playoff position. It's by, by no means a foregone conclusion. No, so certainly not, and and uh, you know, I I mean, there are big things that were uh, almost in a way a, a negative knowns, like the the power play, yeah. which which more recently moved towards me, you know, maybe an unknown, maybe they can continue some of you know, because if you look since Christmas, uh, they're at about eighteen percent on the power play since the Christmas break. I mean, not great, not earth shattering, but enough to help you win some. Some games sometimes light years better than it was <laughs> way better, way, way better. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, one stretch ahead, I think uh, now the last couple of games, you know, in heading into the break were really not good in pretty much any way, but uh, you know, but they had, I think eight games out of 10, they got a power play goal. That's something to build off of. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, you know, other things are not such positives like, uh, you know, how many times were we saying, prior to the whole Carter Hart situation that, hey, we, we know that whoever's in goal, you're going to be competitive on a night-in-and-night-out basis. Yeah. Now, in, in February, you only have one back-to-back. Um, you know, hopefully hopefully they can can give Sam Erson a chance to give them a chance. Because sometimes, that I mean, over this, over this, these last five games, there have been situations, the Boston game, where they didn't give their goalie a chance to give them a chance. Yeah. So... You know, I mean, uh, I mean that, that's something too that uh, 
you know, that, that has to be, has, has to work its, its way through. But uh, obviously the goaltending, because when you're going to, you know, the schedule will get busy again in March and you're playing a lot of divisional Sorry. games and, you know, that, that, that's something too. If you're going to, you're going to, you're going to hang in this race, um, you know, you're, you're going to need that. Every team needs, needs the goaltending. Um, it, it seems that the Flyers are inclined to maybe some combination of uh, of Peterson and maybe Sandstrom. And Sandstrom had a really good game against Hershey the other night. I know it's one game, but that's uh, that's the best team in the American League. He really looked like you know it was, it was one of the best games the fans have had. The Flyers are going to need some some pretty good games in that from either Peterson or Sandstrom, or maybe if they maybe if they were to bring in a piece. But you will need that. You, you're going to need both goalies. So that that to me, obviously, start is, is the number one thing. Yeah, Bill. In the month of March, I think they have 15 games in 30 days. Yeah. It's, I mean, you cannot play one goalie 15 games in 30 days and expect to survive it, and expect to him to be able to turn in quality starter. In today's game, you just, you have to have two goaltenders that yeah. can give you quality starts. Um, how concerned are you with Urson over his? His last five appearances, one of them was only a period in that Colorado game, uh, but he is 0-4-0 uh, with an 826 save percentage. I mean, it, part of this is going to be just mentally bouncing back for him as well and the environment getting much better. Yeah, it, in some ways it reminds me of his early start this year where the, the numbers looked awful, and he, was, he wasn't playing at his best. I actually think he's played better lately than he was there. But, you know, but, but a lot of it was – Again, the team not giving him much of a chance to make saves. Um, you know, I I, I think that um, you obviously are going to need some him to steal some saves. Yep. But again, you know, like uh, I I go back to like the two Pasternak goals in the in the final game, you know, before the break. Well, you know, if your defenseman is used as a screen and you're used, I mean, the, the Flyers have, have run into like Kucherov. They they run into McKinnon. McKinnon. They yeah. they you know they they run into past. You know, I said I mean you know the the top and uh, you know I mean top teams top goal scorers stars in the league at, at times when they were turning pucks over and having breakdowns and that's going to make any goalie look bad. Yeah, so you can't do that against Hart Trophy candidates. Legit no, Hart Trophy candidates. No, you you can and, and uh, you know I mean that that's something that. Something they really needed a reset. So we'll see, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, they're going to be challenged right away. Florida, you know, Florida's not the defending Eastern Conference champion for nothing. So they're, they're going to be tested right off the bat. Yeah. And Florida, the second uh, uh, highest points percentage in the Eastern yeah. Conference. And Bob's been good. Uh, they looking like a team that went to the cup final last year and yeah. um, looking to try and punch a ticket once again. Bill, one of the other unknowns that, that I had was that. Um, that Sean Couturier and to some extent Cam Atkinson. Atkinson had a really good start to the year, went 26 without a goal, longest stretch of his career, and then has been hot leading into the break. Um, but this is not not necessarily. I, I don't ever bring health into these equations because uh, it's, it's just a variable you can't account for. But the sustainability of Sean Couturier's play. Uh, he's played just 19 minutes and 57 seconds through yeah. the first 50 games. He's played 46 of them. Uh, but the sustainability for him to compete through all 82 of a high level of play. And I think maybe a big component of that is it may turn out to be Noah Cates 
and his yeah. viability going forward to maybe shelter some of those minutes away from Sean Couturier, maybe some PK. Yeah, and that's if obviously if he moves back to the middle to yep. at, at some point here, um, which you know also depends on what they're doing in terms of other moves. But uh, yeah, I mean, Kate's to me is certainly an important player in there. You know, I, I think part of the problem too with the Flyers, they they rattled off the five wins in a row. Um, Couturier missed a couple games in there, and yeah, so did Drysdale. <laughs> yeah, and, and and Drysdale did too. Different situations. One was an injury. One was an illness. Yep. Um, I mean, Drysdale hopefully is is fine by now. Couturier should be fine by now too, but. You know those those were not some of Coots's best games. When yeah. if you look at those, those the, he, there were a couple of those games he just didn't look like himself, and he's such an important piece of the team. They need him really on his game, especially when you are going up against the the Kinnons of the league. You know he'll be matched up head to head with them. Um, so, I mean, he he clearly is an important piece um, moving forward here. No one needed the break more than him. You know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Travis Sanham, I thought. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, I mean, because all season long they've been burning the candle at both ends with yeah. him, playing him 20 minutes a night every night, and, and sometimes even more than that. And, and I get it, you're you're out to win every game. So, you know, I, 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 I'm not, not to fault anybody for it, but I'm, but, I, but, the, but I was and remain concerned about is there, will there be enough in the tank through the stretch drive when you get into 15 games? in March. Yeah. Um, you know, I, and that, that is a, that's a critical piece. He still is, he still is the team's most important center. No, no question. Bill, one of the knowns I had, all my knowns weren't necessarily positive, but this yeah. is something that I feel like I know with relative certainty. And it's really important, important for Tyson Forster, this final 32 games to, to give a little more offense. And the known that I had listed was that I know with relative certainty that Tyson Forster needs a little bit, be a little bit more selfish and shoot the puck more. Sometimes, yeah. you know this, when young players come in, they defer to the vets. That's like hockey, part of hockey culture. You know, I got to earn my way. I'll, I'll set guys up for now. When I get established, then I could, then I'll be a little bit more selfish. He needs to be selfish. Now he needs to no. provide scoring and he needs to shoot the puck. For sure. And, and uh, I, you know, I, Two goals stand out for me. Um, the one um, back in December when he had that little hot run, actually he had back-to-back games where he scored from the top of the left circle. Yep. Um, snipe shots from there, and, a, and when he broke out of his recent slump, he, he scored another one from there too. Also a little toe-drag move he, he pulled off against Boston yep. where he was on the perimeter and he moved to the inside a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, you know, the, those are the kind of goals they need him to score because he's not necessarily a net front kind of guy, right? He's 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 a guy who needs to score from the slots, from the flank a little bit. That's that's really where he's he's dangerous. Getting himself to those scoring areas is a is a big thing for him. And then when he has the opportunity, not deferring and shooting for sure. Is that I imagine I had mentioned it to Torts for Hockey and Hounds before, and he agreed. I imagine there's going to be some coaching, you know, kind of pushing him to shoot more to be more yeah. of an offensive difference maker. Oh, oh, for sure. For sure. And, and uh, I mean, so much of it is confidence too, though, when you're, when you're playing with confidence, you're more likely to, you're more likely to, 
pull the trigger on shots or not double clutch as much. That's cost him some goals this year too, where it looks like he'll have somewhere to shoot and he'll, you know, he'll take him a little bit too long or maybe even sometimes in the American league, that extra, that extra double clutch, that extra half second might not cost you a goal in the NHL. Well, Bill, over the first 50 games of the season, the Flyers MVP was at the All-Star game this weekend, I think, in Travis Konechny. He hasn't gone very many times this season without ending up on the score sheet in back-to-back games. He's riding three games without it right now, leading into the break, though. Um, But, you know, if you're going to take the final 32 games and make it just its own capsule, don't consider anything that's happened so far – TK is going to be there as the, as one of the MVPs, but I think he's got two guys offensively that are going to challenge him. And I think one of them is returning tomorrow night. That's Owen Tippett. And I think the other one is Joel Farabee. Are we just kind of scratching the surface with Farabee here? Because we saw his arc of development obviously had a dip. And then he had the surgery going into that season. He played all 82. He's played all 50 again this year. And I think we're starting to see, you know, a, a, another big ascension up in Joel Farabee's overall game. Not killing penalties right now. He's been one of the better five-on-five players in the entire NHL this season. Uh, yeah. But those two guys, I think, can challenge connecting for an, an MVP of the encapsulated final 32. For sure. Yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, Farabee, Farabee, I think, will be your probably Lindbergh winner this year. He should be mm-hmm. coming off the injury and yeah. – you know, and, and he's been he's been remarkably consistent um, in his overall season. Uh, I, I would like to see, you know, I, I'd like to see getting a couple lines going at once. You know, um, having Tippett back should help with that. Um, you know, and whether whether Tippett is playing with Couturier or whether Tippett is playing with Frost, I, I would like to see. I'd like to have a couple lines going at once. And, and if Tippett is playing with Couturier. Then maybe you go Farabee, Frost, and Atkinson obviously had a little bit of a surge before for the uh, All Star break too, but getting getting a little bit of scoring depth going. They've had it at times, other times they haven't had it. So um, that that to me is is a bit of an unknown. What what will the depth look like beyond the top line? But um, yeah, but in terms of the the guys at the top of the list, I I, I think your top four. You know, you're you're probably looking at, uh, you know, the the three guys you mentioned, Tippett, and then maybe Frost rounding out the top five. Bill, one of the uh, questions that I've been seeing quite a bit and conversation lately is about Bobby Brink, who was sent down to the Phantoms. Um, And uh, I checked in with somebody down there, Ian LaPere, to see how Brink was doing. (laughs) And if, if he was taking the pseudo demotion the right way, and what I was told from Lappy was he has come down and he has just put on his work boots. He is working and he is not pouting and he has gone down there and played a lot more minutes and produced. Um, and some people are asking, does Bobby Brink come back at, after this break? I think you keep Bobby Brink there until you have some roster moves and you let him get a, a pretty you know, good sample size down there and really build up some confidence. And I mean, I don't even know that he has to return this year. I think we'll yeah. play some more games this year for the Flyers, but I don't think it's urgent. No, I, I agree. Uh, unless he completely goes crazy offensively. Yeah. You know? And you have an injury gonna... and you need an offensive player. Yeah, exactly. He's not necessarily going to score his way back up here. Um, because there were the the issues that uh, John Tortorella and I guess the hockey ops staff in general had issues with 
or concern over his pace of play, playing playing consistently to the NHL pace. And the other piece of it was his checking game. Um, you know, and, and he he always works. I, I you know, I, to me, he's always been been a player who has a a good work ethic. But if you're gonna have Bobby Brink up in the NHL roster, to me, he needs power play time. If Bobby Brink is playing on your fourth line, then to me, it's uh, it doesn't benefit him and it doesn't benefit the team. Um, if he's playing playing your top nine, your top six, depending on you know, to me, you know the the and it's really kind of unless you have star caliber guys, your middle six is kind of interchangeable anyway. One line is going, the other line, you know. Yeah. hope you get going it's, it's rare to have both lines going at the same time but what you call your second line what you call your third line might vary night to night but he needs to be playing in that middle six group and he needs to be a regular on the power play if he's not doing those things again uh maybe you're better off having someone else there and he's he's playing all such maybe not maybe not pk but playing a lot of minutes in the american league getting you know playing on the half wall in your first power play unit, just, just continuing to, to grow his all around game a little bit. Maybe, maybe that's where he is best suited for the rest of the season. Um, you know, and it's nice that he has a couple of goals, had his first uh, assist of the season in the Hershey game, had a really nice setup play in, in that game. But, uh, you know, with Brink, you, I don't, I don't think there's any question mark that he can produce points, especially at the American league level. It, it's really just just bringing his all around game out a little bit more, and and, and it's funny, you know, Jason, because we, we were just talking about with Forster and the confidence, right? I mean, at one point, Brink's confidence was sky high, Whoa, and yeah. and and uh, you know, young players, it changes in a hurry, right? You Weedy. go you go a few games, they yep. you know the they end up on the video in, in in ways that they don't want to end up on the video, and all of a sudden they start to press. Right. And they're, they're hope, you know, they're looking over their shoulder, afraid they're going to be yanked out of the lineup. And they start to play a little, a little bit conservative sometimes too. So it, it, it becomes a bit of a cycle. I, I think when with Brink, I'd like to see him surge back in the NHL to where there is no holding him back. Yeah. And, and continue to grow from there. I think people forget that he played very little last year. He, he yeah. came off the surgery, missed a lot of the season. Look, he came in and knocked the door down, earned his way onto the roster, the opening night roster. Um, but there's going to be peaks and there's going to be valleys uh, when you get into the NHL. And um, yeah, I think he's a gamer too. Like I, yeah, I don't yeah, think there's sure. any question of of the guy's commitment to go to dirty areas and do what it takes. It's just he's got it. There's more maturing to his game that has to happen. Um, last thing for you, Bill. Thirty-two games left. We're sitting here on on the fifth of February, if you can believe it, and the Flyers are in a playoff position. Um, they're going to have their work cut out for them to land in the playoffs. But after the last couple of years, the intensity of what's going to happen between tomorrow when the season gets back underway and when it concludes coming up on April 16th against the Washington Capitals is going to be incredibly exciting. And, you know, you can get excited about certain things within, you know, law seasons, but this is different. You're battling for a chance to get into that playoff field. And whether you know you're one of those people that thinks they should lose to get better, or that you can get something out of this, this 32 games, this next block of Flyers hockey is going to be incredibly revealing, stressful at times. Uh, but I think we're going to learn a lot, and it's going to be a lot of fun. 
And I, uh, I'm, for just, sure. I'm this, pumped this, about this, it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, for sure. This is where you really learn about teams and, and players. Where you have these these games that uh, take on a an almost playoff like significance to them, um, where you you know where you are watching the scoreboard and you're watching the tiebreakers and you know yep. all all, the, all these. You know, all these little things that they really before the all-star break, you're keeping an eye on, but you're not watching night in and night out. It, it becomes, you know, it becomes less game to game and, and more bigger pictures. Okay, what what is this signifying to where the team is heading? And uh, you Couple know, with the, the trade deadline. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, for sure. Well, that, and that's obviously yeah, that's obviously the the one date that as it draws closer and closer and closer. Um, yeah. So much is going to be put into what happens as as you get as the deadline approaches, and you know even right up, even right up to deadline day, you know sometimes uh, sometimes those decisions actually get get made on that that final day. So well, we sat last year's out, Billy. <laughs> no, I, I know, I, I know, I, and I mean honestly, when you look back, you know sometimes sometimes you're better off pulling the trigger a little bit earlier. And I go back to JVR. I mean, yeah. remember, you remember, and I mean, the Flyers actually had a nice little run uh, in December and in yeah. January, and JVR was a big part of that. Yeah, and you probably could have moved them then. I yeah, yeah and, but you're, I think, kind of banking on okay, as you get close to the deadline, some team will want want him as a rental. And what happened was all the uh, he got know, injured and struggled. Yeah, he, he struggled. He struggled, yeah. and the market thinned out. Right. And, and all the musical chairs disappeared. And then by the time you got to deadline day, any potential suitor for him was already out of the market for him. And yeah. you ended up getting nothing. Do you always look at a guy like Jim Rutherford? I, I think it's more prudent for teams to make the move sooner anyway. Yeah. Because I, I think the longer the player, he can assimilate better and the team can come together uh, rather than having it happen you know, the beginning of March to the playoffs. I think that's a sure. too short a runway to add a big piece to a team or even an ancillary yeah. piece for that matter. No, for sure. For sure. And, and uh, I mean, sometimes, sometimes the ancillary piece is a little bit easier to add because yeah, uh, when you add the big piece, then all of a sudden you're reconfiguring power play time, for example, mm-hmm. you know, like and, Elias uh, Lindholm ending up in, in Vancouver. Like right. that, that's going to be that. I mean, that's, that's a pretty monumental ad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, that that that's a very big piece coming in that will yeah. will alter your chemistry a little bit, and uh, you know you sort it out eventually. But but you do it you do it now with the All Star break. There's more there's more runway to do that, as you were just saying. Yeah, a, a guy like Jim Rutherford, like fans here would love him because he just there's nobody that makes more moves than he does. Yeah. I, I think when his time in Pittsburgh, he made like a trade every five days, calendar days. Like or a move, like it was just bananas the amount of moves that he makes. Um, sometimes, like you said before, the best moves are the ones you don't make. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but he was a guy that liked to tinker, and uh, he's tinkering out there in Vancouver. We'll see how that plays out as we get closer to the deadline as well. Bill, great stuff. We'll be reading your stuff on uh, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com, and. We'll have a game preview tomorrow as the Flyers will take on Florida tomorrow night. So join us then on a brand new episode of Flyers Daily.